You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Welcome to the Savage Lovecast, ladies and gentlemen. How was your week? How was your last Tuesday evening? Mine was pretty spectacular. I'd like to say how thrilled I am by the election, not of a black man, not necessarily even of a Democrat, but of a man who can speak in complete sentences. What a joy it is going to be to be able to listen to the radio, maybe watch the news on television, without having to cringe and cover your ears and be embarrassed, not just for your country, but for English-speaking peoples everywhere when the fucking president opens his fucking idiot mouth. Because now we've got a president who's not an idiot, or we're going to have a president come the inauguration January 20th. Everyone out there who voted for Obama, thank you. Everyone who gave money to Obama, thank you. Everyone who did the right thing, thank you. Now, moving on. Everyone in Florida, which went for Obama, All you people who voted for Obama and also voted to amend your state constitution to ban same-sex marriage, even though same-sex marriage was already illegal in Florida, fuck you. Please stop listening to my podcast instantaneously. I want your sex lives to suck. Everyone in Arizona who voted for the amendment to the state constitution there banning same-sex marriage, I want to say fuck you. And everyone in California, particularly The Mormons and the Mormon church, which isn't necessarily in California, the interlopers from Utah who bankrolled the anti-gay marriage amendment to California state constitution that stripped same-sex couples in that state of their right to marry and put into doubt the marriages of 18,000-plus same-sex couples who've already married in California. I want to say fuck you. And fuck you to Obama supporters and Obama voters in California who voted Obama, good progressive, Democrat, right thing to do, and then turned around and voted – for the anti-gay marriage amendment to California's state constitution. Perhaps most insultingly of all, a huge number of voters in California approved an initiative that protects the rights of chickens and veal calves and then turned around and voted to strip same-sex couples, actual human beings, of their constitutional right to wed. A big fat fuck you to those people. Also, a little side fuck you to the huge numbers of uh, gays and lesbians in California who are not registered to vote or didn't vote. Uh, Voter turnout in San Francisco, where I believe I have a few listeners, was 50%. What is up with that? But I'm I'm not going to focus on the bad. I'm going to focus on the good. We've got a president, Obama. He has promised us that he will work to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, that he will work to repeal the federal DOMA, which prevents the federal government from recognizing legal marriages uh, performed in the states where it is currently legal for gays and lesbians to get married. That would be Massachusetts and Connecticut and states that recognize same-sex marriage, Rhode Island and New York. We're going to see some good out of this president for uh, the gays. And I realize not all the listeners out there are gay and this isn't a gay show. We're going to talk. I think it's all straight callers today. We're going to talk about you people. But still, the euphoria of last Tuesday. I wept. I cried uh, Tuesday night when uh, they called it for Obama, like all thinking people everywhere. Uh, Tears of joy. I believe they were crying in Phoenix too, but uh, 
You know, that's tears of bile or whatever the fuck it is Republicans cry. It has been tarnished, the euphoria for gays and lesbians in America. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to take this moment to talk to my straight listeners. Make them listen before we get to these calls. And there's some fucking sexy calls here. We're going to get to some straight problems. They're going to rock your socks off, straight listeners. But I'm going to make you listen to this first. I've talked to so many straight people who didn't even – it didn't even register that there were three or four anti-gay initiatives that passed on last Tuesday night and whose joy is unalloyed, just pure. And when I tell them, oh, you know what happened in California and Florida and Arkansas and Arizona, they go, oh, 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 really? They hadn't even heard. They didn't even know. And I often tell straight people that – that the anti-gay activism in this country is like a dog whistle that only the gay people and the religious right can hear. Well-meaning straight people in the middle don't even – it doesn't even register. You don't know how crazy-making it is and how we're being pummeled still, even on a night when the Democrats increased their majorities in the Senate and the House and took the White House. Even on that night, voters, even Democrats and progressives and Obama supporters turned out – to strip gays and lesbians in this country of their civil rights. So, oh, yeah, it's great. We, we elected a black guy uh, to the presidency. What does that say about our democracy? You know, we're all busy filleting ourselves on national television about the progress and, and what it symbolizes. And at the same time, a giant step backward for another embattled minority group. And it needs to be noted. It needs to register. All right? Now we can talk about your fucking fucked up sex life, straight people, just like I promised. This rant cast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage right now for details. Hi, Dan. Um, my name is Mary. I'm a 20-year-old straight female from Wisconsin. And I had a question because um, I've been dating a Brazilian guy who's the same age as me for like 10 months, I think, since February. And yesterday we were talking, and it was revealed that when we were talking about things that, like, deal breakers in the relationship and things that would cause the other person to break up with them and stuff like that. And uh, he said, if you became really, really fat, I would break up with you because I couldn't date a really fat person. Um, I feel that it's really stupid for him to feel that way, and I don't want to be with someone who's going to constantly be like, oh, you can't date, you can't, like, gain weight, stop eating, stop, why aren't you exercising, get liposuction, blah, blah, blah. And while I think it's partially because he's young and hasn't realized that yet, and while it's partially because he comes from a country where it's, like, hot, beautiful ladies all the time until they're, like, 50 years old, um, I still – and while I don't anticipate becoming hideously obese, um, I don't want to be with someone who's going to constantly be, like, watching me on that. And so my question for you is, do you think this is something that he'll grow out of eventually and come to just realize that that's really stupid, or do you think it's actually something that he's really, like, serious about? You're calling from Wisconsin, I realize, where there is hot and cold running Velveeta cheese sauce on tap. But I really want to come to his defense. He didn't say if you put on a few pounds as you age, um, which is natural, he's going to break up with you. He said if you get really, really fat. You know, he's from Brazil. He may look around America, particularly Wisconsin, the land of the cheese and the home of the bratwurst, and conclude that he might want to get that out there, get that on the record, put that on the table so that you know what you're getting into. You know, bodies can change and people age and that's a natural process. And that's not necessarily a deal breaker. And again, he didn't say that. I think what 
the deal breaker is, and I really want to defend him on this because you know what? I have the exact same deal breaker and I had the exact same conversation with my boyfriend 14 fucking years ago uh, when we started to get serious about each other. What I think the deal breaker actually is when someone says that is not, uh, you know, if you if your body changes naturally over the course of your life. I think it's when you you see people who give up and throw their bodies away, who stop caring for their appearance, who stop being considerate of their partner. That's the deal breaker. And if he's not attracted to great big fat ladies, I think that you might want to know that before you get very seriously involved with him. He's being honest and upfront for which he is to be praised, not condemned. And I think he did you a service. Hey, Dan, I uh, do not have the ability to get off with people when I go to bed with them. Obviously, this is a problem. Now, it comes to, I think it might be performance anxiety or something, but I really think that what's going on is the fact that I'm kind of completely addicted to porn. I'm not talking like I go and I sell off 401k or anything to try and afford, you know, one more month of Corbin Fisher, but I am, I am completely accustomed to getting off by myself in front of my computer with my hands. Sometimes with loop, sometimes I like to switch it up and do it without. Um, this is a huge problem because when I get to go to bed with somebody, all I can think about instead of, you know, oh, you know, this is fun, I'm having a great time, while I do notice that stuff, I'm also mostly thinking of, am I hard? Is this going to be happening? What's going on? Uh, Will I be able to get off this time? And then, you know, when we finally enter the home stretch um, where, you know, we're actually sort of trying to reach orgasm, like we're fucking or whatever it is, um, all I can think of my brain is like, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on. So, like I said, it sounds totally like performance anxiety. Um, but I really think that it's because I, I am totally used to porn. So I wonder if uh, what I should do. Obviously, the answer is don't look at porn. But what should I do instead? I, 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 going without porn is like being celibate for me. And frankly, I really don't have a major reason. It's not like there's somebody on the horizon that I really want to be able to get with or anything. This is just sort of like this theoretical problem because at this point I, I don't really like sex anymore because it's kind of embarrassing. All I can ever do is apologize. I'm not going to tell you not to look at porn, particularly if you don't have a partner right now and there's no one on the horizon. Uh, I want you to enjoy what you can while you can. Um, here's what to do about that performance anxiety. Uh, cop to it. Admit it. Tell the next guy that you are dating or sleeping with or getting serious about that you sometimes have trouble getting there and then bridge the gap. Um, you can use your own hand when you're with somebody else. Ladies do it all the time. I know lots of gay guys do it. You can, you can't, don't have to have a no hands orgasm. You can beat yourself off uh, in the presence of another human being with their assistance, uh, perhaps while they pound your ass. Uh, and it still counts as sex. And if you're having anxiety issues about uh, what crowds your head as you approach orgasm, which isn't, oh my God, I'm so turned on. This is so much fun. This feels so good, but I hope I can do this. I hope I can do this. I hope I don't disappoint this guy. I hope I don't disappoint this guy. You can get around that anxiety by just, instead of trying to hide it from the guy, throw it out there, put it on the table. Tell the next guy that you're going to bed with, hopefully it'll be somebody that you intend to go to bed with more than once, that you've had this problem in the past and you just want to admit to it and you may come and you may not come this time and you don't want him to regard it as a problem and get him to say okay i won't regard it as a problem <laughs> then you've got him right where you want him and then if you need to beat off at the end beat off at the end if you don't come don't 
stress about it. And for the people who are going to call in now asking me how I knew this guy was gay, because he didn't really say it, uh, Google Corbin Fisher. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like you listen to the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audio download of your choice when you sign up today. If you're like me and you never tire of Republican concession speeches, John McCain's concession speech is available on audible.com right now. You might want to download that. And it's available in the same file with Barack Obama's acceptance, his victory speech. So uh, hours of pleasure there, perhaps a dance remix of John McCain's uh, concession speech is in order. And you can get it at audiblepodcast.com slash Savage, go there right now for your free audiobook or your free John McCain concession speech. Hi, Dan. My name is Jason. Little bit of an odd situation. Um, I'm a straight male, married to a beautiful woman. Um, and when she was out at this last conference that she went to out near Boulder, she was in some kind of hippie head shop, whatever, and um, bought our daughter a patch. Um, said patch is a rainbow-colored bear. Um, Very cute, very nondescript, but it is, you know, it's a rainbow bear. Anyway, um, my wife brought it back, was about to give it to our daughter, and I was like, "Um, no, honey, that's, I I, I mean, I I believe that that is a symbol of gay pride, Um, and and I believe, I don't know, being a straight male, I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, but I, I don't think it symbolizes just the cuteness of a of a of a bear. Um, I have heard talk about wolves and and minks and otters and you've said swishy people and things and stuff like that. Um, if you could, for us straight people, just I don't know, kind of lay it out there as to what like the equal signs mean and like the blue sticker with the yellow equal sign or like the, the uh, a rainbow bear um, or or what. I don't know. Are there different classes of gay uh, classifications? Where do the trannies fit in? Um, you know, do they get stickers? I, I don't know. Well, you're on to us. Finally, finally caught on, straight people, that the plan is to gradually appropriate everything. So there's nothing left that you can carry or wear. Uh, no part of your body you can pierce. Uh, nothing you can buy your children that isn't a symbol of gay pride. Take that yellow equal sign in the blue box, which is the logo of the Human Rights Campaign, which is a gay rights group. That is just our attempt to ruin mathematics for everybody. You really can't do math anymore in grade school, high school, college level, advanced calculus, without there being just something kind of gay about it. Particularly once you add it all up. You got to get to the equal sign. Next up, the division sign. Now, gay bears, you know, bear culture, that's a thing. We've totally appropriated the bear and the otters a little bit. Um, and I, any little girl who's wearing a rainbow bear patch, in short order, is going to be followed around town by large hairy men in harnesses who are going to misinterpret that bear patch as a secret signal that she, at her young age, is a member of of the bear, large, hairy, male, gay community. So you might want to monitor your little girl's 
you know, Facebook page, the guys she's hanging out with, the you know, if she's got her to go to leather bars with her with her posse, it's a problem. Uh, other things that we've appropriated lately, the Democratic Party, um, though not as uh, thoroughly and completely as we <laughs> might have hoped to have appropriated it. Uh, France, that's ours now. Uh, what other symbols of gay pride uh, might you need to know about? Mass transit, public transit, totally gay. Uh, high school wrestling teams, thanks to YouTube, all of them now, totally gay. Uh, the jockstrap, totally gay. Uh, the sports bra, totally lesbian. Uh, women playing golf, totally dykey. Uh, the American Musical Theater, we're actually in the process of giving back to you. It's the reverse sort of backflip, uh, reverse psychology move where we something gets so gay that we don't even want it anymore and we hand it back to you. Hence, you know, crap like Lion King and Tarzan, uh, Mary Poppins, Little Mermaid. Totally, you know, American Musical Theater is really yours now. Uh, we're always adding to this list uh, of things that are gay, secret little gay signals. And marriage, finally. Marriage, totally gay. Google wedding cake. You practically can't find a picture of a wedding cake anymore that doesn't have two little grooms on them. Mostly they're being used in uh, scare campaigns by anti-gay raving bigots like the Mormon church. Um, but it is part of our campaign to take marriage away from you is there anything gayer than a wedding i mean a wedding is basically a big fucking busby berkeley musical about two people who are gonna have sex probably that night that's really fucking gay i don't care if the two people are male and female that's totally fucking gay cake with little flowers all over it ring girls people throwing rose petals around this is all an appropriation of what are really typically gay um, sex rituals. My boyfriend and I, we never have sex without a couple of ring bearers, cock rings, but still, and, and somebody strewing flower petals around the room. Uh, and then we have cake afterwards. Immediately afterwards, we have cake, and I dance with my boyfriend's father. Uh, hi, Dan. We've got a 13-year-old boy, and we've recently seen uh, just some questionable internet searches. Um, just want your... Um, advice on either how to bring that up with him. We're pretty open about sex with him and everything else, but this topic's a little new. And uh, maybe even some books and things that you would recommend uh, that he could read or that uh, that we could read uh, to have to do with this subject. I don't have any books to recommend uh, for parents to read with their children about sex because I haven't gotten around to writing that book yet. And I haven't actually read anything out there that I like too much. Maybe people who found books that they can read with their adolescents about sex and actually like them uh, will call in with some titles. But I don't have one off the top of my head. Uh, here's what I'd do if I noticed my son uh, looking at some squirrely things on the internet. My 13-year-old uh, recently commenced masturbating, I presume, son. Um, I would embarrass and humiliate him about it <laughs> because that's really a check uh, that we need from our parents a little bit, even about sex. You know, we don't we don't want to be too healthy because it's freaked out parents that often instill us with the kinks that we will enjoy as adults. And we don't want to raise a whole generation of kids who are too healthy about sex and put all the uh, BDSM sex shops out of business. Now, do we? Uh, I think what you should say to your son is, I noticed you went here. I noticed you went there. I noticed you went there. You know, some of those places you're going, they have, they're going to give you the wrong impression about what sex is mostly about, mostly like. Um, your son will, A, uh, be mortified that he's having to talk 
to you about this. Think twice about going to those sites, not because he isn't still perhaps curious, but, but because he's afraid of getting caught and having to have this conversation over again. And this is a way that you can moderate the amount of time he spends on these websites and the websites that he goes to, um, not by stepping in uh, and stepping between them, just by making him conscious of the fact that he's going to get caught, right? And that's not necessarily a bad control because a 13-year-old boy left to his own devices will do nothing all day long but look at pornography on terribly skeezy websites. Uh, Now I'm going to hopelessly date myself and jump back to something my Aunt Peggy did for me once, uh, which was a real service. Uh, And parents have to do this, (laughs) I think, more and more aggressively in the age of internet pornography. Um, My aunt asked me what I knew about sex. She was sort of the adult we went to. uh, My parents' kids would go to when we had questions about sex. And, you know, I didn't want to have a conversation about sex because I couldn't talk to my aunt or anybody else in my family at that time about the kind of sex I wanted to be having because I didn't think they could handle the truth, um, as they say. And she was kind of quizzing me about what I knew, and I threw out something I read in Penthouse Forum. Uh, I said, you know, that we were talking about pornography, and she said, oh, you have to be careful uh, about the impression sex you get from pornography. That's not going to be totally accurate. And I said, well, I'm really glad I'm reading pornography because before I started reading pornography, I didn't didn't even know what an anima was or that people liked animas. And she looked at me and said, animas? People generally don't like enemas. My Aunt Peggy was a nurse. In fact, most people hate enemas. And that's part of the problem with pornography, Danny, is it'll give you the impression that lots of people like things that only the person who wrote that letter to Penthouse Forum likes. And that stuck with me to this day. And now I'm sharing it with all of you. So I would say that to your kid. You know, you can go to chokingonhorsecock.com just to freak yourself the fuck out. But you have to know. That people who like to choke on horse cock, and I'm talking actual horse, not just horse-hung boys, are few and fucking far between. And if you cultivate an interest in horse cock choking, you may be alone all your life. You can say that to your son. I would encourage you to say that to your son. And then in 10 years when I get around to writing that book about teens and sex, you can buy it and he can give it to his kids eventually one day. I've been married for about 15 years and... Uh, during that 15-year time, uh, the sex life between my wife and I has kind of become increasingly less, uh, uh, well, less common, much, much less occurrent. In fact, um, about six months ago, my wife and I had, had a long discussion in which she kind of indicated that she was pretty much done with having sex and um, that uh, if I wanted to, I could go and get my needs met elsewhere. Uh, and one of the things that was kind of discussed at the time was, maybe seeing providers or something like that. And I know you've discussed that on your um, podcast before, but I guess, you know, I, for me, I'm kind of curious where, where I'm going to turn because I've, I've had two experiences at this point. Um, one was with a girl uh, who was very clear that uh, the whole process of being provider was a relatively unpleasant experience for her. Um, she certainly didn't seem to enjoy my presence I uh, spent a lot of time trying to watch the TV while I was trying to have a little bit of uh, fun. Uh, you know, just kind of probably a very stereotypical what everything is wrong with uh, you know, paying for sex uh, would be thought of. Um, anyway, then the second experience I had with a nice girl who um, was really quite pleasant to be with and I was quite attractive and um, 
enjoyed the time with her, but the, the thing I had a really hard time with afterwards is feeling really terrible because I guess I felt that um, she's like, well, this, you know, she, I'm, I'm, I'm paying her to kiss me and I'm paying her to, to be with me and thought that, uh, you know, she, she might think I was really hideous. And, uh, you know, just, I guess I really felt kind of uncomfortable with that whole prospect um, of kind of the sex for money. Anyway, you know, my, my experience so far with providers hasn't been that that's, that's going to be a useful solution. Maybe it's not a useful solution. So I don't know. I'd like your insights a little bit on, on uh, you know, what, what folks, uh, you know, what guys like me do when they hit 40 and their wife doesn't want to have sex anymore. Um, so I just listened to your call, and we're just going just gonna to jump right in there, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, there are prostitutes out there who enjoy their work um, and enjoy their clients and enjoy the, the interaction, even though it's still, mon- you know, there's monetary uh, exchange going on right there. Uh-huh. I saw yeah. Sarah fucking Palin. I have the election on the brain right now. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you're going to probably have to look around a bit before you find one, if you want to see prostitutes regularly, uh, find one who you have a certain rapport with and you click with. A lot of women uh, who do sex work um, have a goal of building up a regular client base and then they stop looking and they stop advertising. They see a regular bunch of guys and they don't take any new clients and they're not out there uh, on the market anymore. Um, and you may have to look around a bit before you find uh, a woman that you can have that kind of ongoing relationship with. Now, a lot of prostitutes who, who reach that point in their life, you can uh, the guys that she's chosen to be you know, in her little harem, I suppose, of regular clients, that's an affirmation that she actually does enjoy spending time with you. Okay. And, and isn't repulsed by you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have made the cut. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, the, the question I think it kind of comes is like, uh, you know, the, the bad experiences that precede that, right? I, I think that's the, that was, that's the particularly disheartening part of the experience, right? Because you kind of run into these things that kind of make your skin, at least made my skin crawl. Absolutely. Um, which is why I wanted to give a second (laughs) bit of advice, which is you don't have to go straight from the wife cutting you off, which is emotional violence as far as I'm concerned, and really horrifying and all too common. Um, Well, I I mean, I have to, I I should, you know, just explain a little bit is that, I mean, I think we came to that conclusion between the two of us in a kind of a mutual way, right? I mean, her sex drive just kind of completely disappeared, and we've tried, you know, I think for a while to sort that, that out. Um, but it's pretty clear at some point that it's just not coming back for her. So, I mean, I think that's why we arrived at this point. So it was a loving decision to say, rather than us split up, and rather than me say, because I shut down, you have to shut down too, I love you, yeah. and I want to let you go find this happiness elsewhere, but I love you so much I want us to stay together despite it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I basically agree because I mean, I, I, you know, I'm committed to to my family and my marriage. I, I love my wife. You know, I, I certainly don't, I don't want to leave her. Um, you know, except for this thing that has not worked. You know, for for quite a while. And it's, I mean, I think in some ways, rather than kind of dancing around the whole thing, which is like, okay, well, is it low libido, or how are we going to fix this, or you know, how can I modify? But, you know, we just kind of like came to grips with the fact that she just. Right, what you're making now is what a lot of people who have sex problems eventually have to make, which is an accommodation. Some problems can't be solved, right? And yeah. some problems have to be worked around. And I'm fully in support of what you're doing, uh, you know, now that I know more about the circumstances, what your wife has done now that I know more about the circumstances. Actually, I think what she's done is great. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that. <laughs> and so you have options beyond, you know, hookers. There are women out there, I hear from them all the time at Savage Club, who are in your same boat, who are in marriages where the husband isn't interested in sex, and the women, the wives, are sexually deprived. Or the wives are no longer attracted to their husbands and have given them permission to go off and you know, run off into off-leash areas and do what they got to do, and who are discreetly looking for a sex partner on the side themselves. Well, I think I, I, I think the thing I would... A sex partner and somebody they can trust. And often when people are in marriages like yours where the sex is, where sex is no longer a part of the relationship, no longer defines the relationship, a lot of people in that situation want to be with other people in that situation so that they're not feeling like they're being pulled into a new relationship, so that everybody understands that there are very limited possibilities for a future together or no possibility for a future together so we'll yeah i mean, I, I actually i mean i think i think that that's you know a, a great situation i think the the thing that uh the problem in, in that is trying to figure out how to do that of course you know, as a guy who has not of course dated or considered anything like for a long time i guess you kind of run into this whole thing like well gosh i never thought of trying to go out and meet someone but then of course I mean, craigslist is populated with all sorts of fake ads and you know right. I think most you have, an online dating stuff is pretty uh, you know, let's say it's a money making proposition for a business person rather right. than online dating places make a lot of money off desperate, desperate straight guys um, yeah and I'm pretty I'm desperate so upon a dime did singles bars <laughs> okay you know what I mean you you gotta go where you know you, why does the bank robber rob the bank because that's where the money is you gotta go where the folks are and I don't think Craigslist is a good option there's too many uh, gay guys pretending to be horny housewives and too many scammers uh, trying to take advantage of straight guys on Craigslist. But there are better websites uh, for single people uh, or married people who are looking for a little sex and affection on the side without having to leave their marriages, men and women. I think you should always assume that you're being scammed okay. if you're a straight guy when you have any interaction with somebody online, uh, you know, that they have to prove to you that they're not a scammer. Um, don't give them the benefit of the doubt, but still get out there and try to meet people online. There's tons of people who meet online. And, you know, a, a housewife or, a, you know, a working woman, a working wife who's in the same situation that you're in isn't going to be trawling Craigslist and isn't going to be in bars, but she is going to be online. Right, okay. So, you know, in the meantime, see the hookers. Uh, and I would encourage you to find one that you, that you have a rapport with that you can see regularly. And you know, and a woman who will see you regularly is saying something about you. Uh, okay, about I get regularly, and also keep your options open. Look around online. Invest the time because if you can find somebody that you, uh, that you have a rapport with that you're sexually attracted to, sexually attracted to you, and there's no exchange of money, uh, that might be better in the long run for you and your marriage and her and her marriage. Once you find that woman. Yeah, well, that, I'm, I think that's nice. I mean, you certainly sound more optimistic than I've felt about it after these, couple, you know, kind of couple recent experiences. So um, I, I think that's nice. I'll certainly give it a try. Okay. Good luck. Yeah, very good. Talk to you soon. Hi, Dan. Um, my name is Sam, and I'm 17 years old, and I'm a virgin. And last night I was with my friend, and we were fooling around, and he fingered me, and he only used one finger, but for some reason, it hurt really bad, and I was kind of sore after, and I was just wondering if there's a reason for it, because that's never really happened before, and if there is a reason, how can I 
fix this before I have sex because I'm a little worried about that now. He used a finger, and it hurt. Which finger? How did he use it? Was he gentle? Uh, were you lubricated? Were you aroused? Did he pay some attention to the outside of your uh, genitalia before he started rooting around inside your genitalia? How gentle was he? A lot of teenage boys, uh, when they first get to third base, are a little too aggressive and not too terribly considerate of their partner's pleasure. And it can be malicious, it can be an act of selfishness, or just cluelessness. Um, You have to be aroused. Uh, When you become aroused, your clitoral tissues, which are similar to his erectile tissues, except they're all packed inside your junk instead of hanging outside your body, uh, swell with blood, and it opens your vagina up, and you begin to uh, become wet. And in that process, your vagina is prepping itself for penetration. If you hurried past all of that, if you were not aroused, yeah, a fingering could hurt. If he stuck the finger in you uh, and you were aroused and he jerked it around or slammed it back and forth or was scraping the walls of your vagina as if he's trying to, I don't know, peel a banana from the inside out or whatevs, it would hurt. Um, You might want to experiment again uh, with fingering yourself when you have some control over the depth and quality of the penetration uh, and the timing when you're aroused, uh, like I said, uh, and not when he's aroused. You need to do it on your timetable, not his. Um, You can let somebody finger you and take control of his hand. He's putting his finger in you and it hurts. Grab his hand. Tell him to slow down. Tell him to straighten out his finger. If he's wiggling it around and jerking it back and forth, tell him to knock that off. Tell him to hold his finger still and you take take hold of his forearm and his hand and you move his finger and you move his hand so that you're in control of the, the, the depth and the speed and the quality of the penetration and see if that doesn't help because that shifts the responsibility for why it went badly from you and your vagina to him and his hand and his finger if he's using it ineptly, all right? Give it another go. Don't stress out about it. Usually in the case of an awkward, unpleasant finger fucking, it's the finger and the guy attached to it who is the problem. Hey, Dan. My question is about I I definitely know that I enjoy looking at pictures of nude men or penises. Um, and I have a desire to touch them. Stroke one. Um, I do not have a desire, though, for anal sex at all, nor do I wish to perform anal sex with another man. But I um, have always considered myself extremely heterosexual. I'm happily married successfully for 13 plus years. Uh, I love my wife, I'm attracted to her sexually. Um, she meets my needs. Uh, I really would sort of like to act out on it one of these days, but I don't want to cheat on my wife. And my my wife has actually even expressed to me that she would love to put a strap on and do me, and I'm just like absolutely positive not. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I do wonder. I'm questioning myself about that a lot. Um, 
but I have to force myself not to look at it on the pornography, but when I do decide to look at it on pornography, I look at a lot of it. Um, am I bisexual? Am I homosexual? Am I bi-curious? That's what I would think, but I, I am a little conflicted about it, and um, if you could shed any light, I'd appreciate it. Hey, it's Dan. Thank you for calling me, sir. Sure, thank you. You don't have to call me, sir. Um, it's a bad habit. <laughs> uh, so, um, I listened to your call, again, and you describe yourself as extremely heterosexual. Yes, sir. Uh, stop calling me, sir. It makes me I'll, I'll try. I'll try, Dan. Have you okay. seen the, the Department of Homeland Security's threat level chart with low, guarded, elevated, high, extreme? <laughs> I think we're going to downgrade you from extreme levels of heterosexuality to perhaps high or elevated levels of heterosexuality, which is still pretty okay. good. But you got a touch of the gay. Not, not the gay. You've got a touch of the queer. Okay. I mean, you know, you're not quite 100% heterosexual, but you can be rounded up to heterosexual. You're like 98% heterosexual. It's okay. Not, it's not dishonest of you to identify as straight. Okay. Now... Why do you think there's so much cock in heterosexual porn, in porn created by and for straight guys? Why do you think Ron Jeremy had a career? Uh, because of his big penis. Because his big penis. Who was looking at his big penis? The ladies? Uh, the men that were in charge of the movie making. Right, and the men who were buying his movies and renting movies that he was featured in. Right. They weren't, you know, the movie porn producers are not shoving cock down the throats of heterosexual American men. Heterosexual American men clamor for cock in their porn. Exactly, yeah. Because even straight guys like cock a little bit. Now, you, you, most straight guys don't want to touch another cock. They've got a cock to touch their own. And seeing another hard cock, you know, why do you think ancient Rome was littered with giant phallus sculptures? Seeing another hard cock is arousing even to straight guys. Okay. Well, see, and, and, and on that note, um, I own up that I want to touch one, and that's about it. I want to, I, I do fantasize about stroking one or touching right, one. It's like, and you know, it's the kind of fantasy that if you did realize it, you might, it might, the air might go out of it. It might be like pricking a balloon with a pin, if you'll pardon the expression. It'll right. just go and fly away. Okay. But there's a reason why female escorts do a bang-up business, which is basically a dick attached to what appears to be a woman, right? Right. And it's not because gay guys are renting them by the hour. Gay guys are not interested in shemales and shemale escorts. They do a bang-up business because of guys like you, who are straight, don't want anal sex, don't want to kiss a guy, don't want really anything else to do with a guy's body, but want to touch dick at some point in their lives. Other dick, not their own dick. Right. They're still straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I fucked girls. Didn't make me. Gay. Didn't make me straight, right? Right, you right. Touch a dick once in your life, and it's not going to make you gay. You don't have to identify gay. You don't even identify as bi. You're just hard cock curious. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, Dan. <laughs> and you don't have to call me sir unless you're touching my cock, which you're not because we're on the phone. All right? Okay. The thing to do, you know, I, I wish all people could have the kind of relationship that I have with my boyfriend, which is perfect in every possible way, which is t 
totally idiotic of me to say, because we'll probably break up next week, because I said this <laughs> on the air, right? And I'm whistling past the graveyard, uh, packed with uh, failed relationships. Um, but, you know, if I had the issue you had where I was like, you know, I just want to touch a girl once, I would probably tell him, and he'd go, well, go do it, and then come home and don't tell me about it. Because because guys have level heads, I think gay guys particularly, about variants. A lot of women don't. You know, if you told your wife this, she might think you're secretly gay and this is just the beginning of the end. You know, if you confess to this, you're going to confess to, you know, wanting to join uh, the chorus in, in a musical review on a celebrity cruise any minute now. So I don't well, know. You need well, it's to... funny you say that, if, if I could just add on that, is that, um, you know, me and my wife, we are pretty open in our conversations, and uh, she shared to me once that, you know, she was bi-curious, but she would never actually do it, you know, but even though I have encouraged it, uh, she says she wouldn't actually do it, just, you know, pretty much almost, I guess, like me with the, the thought that I don't know if I could actually do it, but as much as I've shared with her is that I did admit to her that I don't mind looking at them, you know. And, uh, and then I showed it to shared with her, you know, when men go in the sauna or the showers, everyone sizes each other up. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, uh, you know, she – so we, we do talk, but I really don't know if I could tell her – that, that so you're not just checking out the competition. You want to take one of them for a spin. is a little different. <laughs> right. And a lot of women would react negatively to that because they would be insecure. Because, you know, female by curiosity is sort of celebrated and understood as not necessarily uh, proof that the woman in question isn't uh, straight. Whereas male by curiosity or heteroflexible guys uh, are held suspect. By straight exactly. by others, by other men, by gay men, by everybody. Nobody believes that a guy can be straight and even have any bicurious impulse whatsoever ever in his life at all. So you know you have a you're you're walking on eggshells with the wife, since your interest puts you at no risk of anything except a wet, damp hand. Mm -hmm. I think it's the sort of thing that you a curiosity you could satisfy at some point during the life of your marriage without having to necessarily get the permission slip. Right. Um, I would encourage you, you know, I think people should be open with their partners. I believe that, you know, a long-term relationship that involves sex should be an adventure. Two people are on together, and I would hope that you could share it with her. But, you know, if you can't, an opportunity presents itself sometime, perhaps in the sauna. Who knows? Um, you brought up saunas, not me. Uh, I like to go to saunas without guys stroking their dicks uh, in front of me. <laughs> right. I don't want to encourage more like sauna stroking than already goes on in America, but you know, if somebody ever strokes their dick at you in a sauna and you have that opportunity to reach over and give it a stroke and see what it's like to have another dick in your hand, I, I think you could do that and still get into heaven. And, and I mean, I just don't even know how I would approach someone. I guess I'd have to look online, but I always find that dangerous, you know. It is It is a little dangerous. You know, you can't meet somebody online without taking a risk. You can't do anything without taking a risk. You know, you might stroke somebody in a sauna someday, and then some gym employee bursts in, and you lose your gym membership. <laughs> um, just happened to friends of mine. Uh, and the wife hears about it. You have to come up with a lie to explain it. You know, no risk, yeah. no reward. No risk, no feel of another man's hard cock in your hand at some point in your life. Uh, you make it sound so good, though. I hope I'm not giving you a boner, because it wasn't my intention. 
Well, I appreciate this, Dan, and I love your show. I'm an avid listener. Well, thanks Art. a lot. Hi, Dan. I uh, just listened to your, your show, and specifically your response to my question. I was the uh, 21-year-old college student with the 17-year-old. Uh, something I forgot to point out in the previous call is that I said currently 17 just because she was going to be 18 in about two weeks, and she does, in fact, live here. She is a college student. Um, just wanted to point that out for the record. I'm not some creepy pedophile. Um, secondly, I, uh, I, I just told her that, uh, you know, things, just what we're doing just isn't right and that uh, we're not going to do it anymore. So I want to let you know, I appreciate your advice, and I, and I did it, and I feel better. But for the record, I'm not a totally creepy, immature, well, maybe immature, but I'm not creepy. Anyways, thanks for the advice. Uh, good show. I've never heard somebody choke out, for the record, I'm not creepy, in a creepier fashion than you just choked it out. Not that I'm trying to pile on or anything. And for the record, since we're for the recording here, I didn't say you were a pedophile. This is about comparative levels of maturity. Not you're a pedophile because she's 17 and 50 weeks at the time of your call. Uh, But I'm glad you got that off your chest and on the record. Hi, Dan. It's Jordan. The, um... The kid that was going to come out to his um, extended family to tell him to vote no on Prop 8. And um, I did that. And I got uh, overwhelmingly very nice positive responses um, from uh, five out of six. And the last one um, was an uncle who I haven't heard back from, so I'm assuming he doesn't want to talk to me. So, But I was like, you know, fuck him, whatever. He only gave me like $15 for graduation anyway. So um, thank you very much for the advice, Dan. And um, we've got... Um, all no on eights, uh, you know, coming from my family. And um, we'll just all, you know, uh, have our fingers crossed for Election Day. Thank you so much, Dan. Bye. That call was so uplifting when it came in and I first listened to it. Thank you, Jordan, for doing the right thing. Uh, thanks to your family for doing the right thing and voting for you and your future and your future happiness and your future spouse and your future family. Uh, wasn't enough, unfortunately. Uh, if only you were related to maybe two or three or four or 500,000 people in California, Jordan, and not just your did-the-right-thing stand-up family. On the bright side, seven or eight years ago, there was an anti-gay marriage uh, initiative in California that passed, I believe, 63 to 38% or 68 to 33%. This one passed uh, 52 to 48 So we're closing the gap, and we're winning. And if the vote had been a few years from now instead of this year, could have gone another way because young people and people who know gay people and people with gay family and friends uh, want us to have full civil equality. And the old motherfucking bastards who don't are dying off. And we will win in the long run. This issue will be revisited California's amended constitution will be amended again and in our favor next time. Um, But it's sad, and I'm sad for you, uh, Jason, that you did the right thing. You came out to your family. You got them to vote for you, for your future, for me, for all gay people everywhere. Uh, But it wasn't enough. The next time it'll be enough, in part because of the groundwork you laid this time with your family. So I'm sorry. Next time. And we're going to leave it there on that depressing, sad, ranty note. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, keep it under a minute or two, if possible. 
Leave us your phone number in case we want to call you back. We promise not to broadcast it. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy at risk you with their stinky dreadlocks. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast, everybody. And uh, once again, right on fucking Barack Obama. 